0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com.
2: To all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network, I'm your host Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, June 18th. This is the 24th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Okay, now today we're going to be talking press trip thrills and nightmares. Hopefully, more thrills with one of the co-authors of the new a new novel called The Junketeers. But first, as I do in every show, I will start with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round, questions, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. Okay, today's tip is inspired by my guest's book. The tip is to be good company and not be, quote-unquote, the one. You see, in The Junketeers... The one refers to the person on a press trip who basically annoys the others by complaining, getting sloppy drunk, or being a know-it-all. No one wants to be with this type of individual, as they are seen as a nuisance. Rather, everyone wants to be with someone who is pleasant, easy to get along with, humble, responsible, a good listener, and a team player. So I say aim to be that nice person, and not just in social settings, but in everyday life. You'll make more friends and go farther. That's my tip today. All right. I'm really excited about my show because I have one of the co-authors of The Junketeers here. It is Julie Bessonin, and her co-author is Baroness Sherry de Bourgrave.
3: De Bourgrave.
2: De Bourgrave. Still <laughs> got it wrong. <laughs> Sherry couldn't make it today, but I'm going to let me, let me uh, read a little of their bios so you all know, know a little more about them. Okay, so Julie is a writer living in New York City. She is a graduate of the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. 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 we
3: say Fedville.
2: I never heard of Fayetteville before (laughs) reading this bio incorrectly. I'm an Arkansas Razorback. (laughs) And then, this is interesting, you were also a Fulbright scholar to Belgium. Mm -hmm. In addition to being the food editor at Paper Magazine, Julie contributes to nycgo.com and the New York Times. Sherry, a.k.a. Baroness, is the author of a steamy memoir, A Dangerous Liaison, about her romance and marriage to a Belgian baron and what goes on behind castle walls. She writes the Wine and Spirits column for CNG Publications and has contributed travel articles on exotic island travel to Robb. Report, Islands, and Brides. She wrote a sex advice column called The Bedroom Baroness for Cosmopolitan, and worked in-house at Condé Nast Traveler and GQ. She's taken over 80 press trips all over the world. So, steamy, steamy bio there. Uh, So welcome, Julie. Thank Thank you you. so much for coming out here.
3: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here.
2: Well, I've known you as, well, well, why don't we... Back up a little before the Junketeers and Talk. How did you get into food writing and and your career now as a columnist for the New York Times, NYC Go, all these exciting things, and paper magazine?
3: I always loved to eat. <laughs> uh, I always wanted to be a writer. And I didn't even realize you could put the two things together for a long time. Um, when I lived in Brussels, that was really... Uh, uh, an eye-opening experience to all the different cuisines of the world. Um, it was uh, it's just a very international city. And then I moved to New York, and I was pursuing writing. And I first became um, more of an entertainment writer. And oftentimes those interviews would be conducted at restaurants. And then when I would turn in the story, I had two different editors at the same time Around the same month, I think. Tell me, I think you should be a food writer because I talked more about the food and the restaurant and and uh, what we'd had to eat and drink, and I obviously was more passionate about that than who I'd interviewed.
2: So it kind of just grew organically that way. And about when was this? How how long? Ago? Oh, nineties, nineteen nineties. And I hadn't known until now that you had lived in Brussels, and you. It's interesting. After this event, I have. Uh, a Do you know X key? Um, I read your press release. But oh, okay. I don't know it. No. Well, they're they're a Belgium restaurant group that has over seventy five locations in Europe, and they're launching in New York City, and we're doing a, a party tonight. So, and and it's it, it's also interesting that Sherry has the Baroness Belgium mm-hmm, connection. connection. There's mm-hmm. a lot of Belgium Brussels things going on here. I think that was one of our connections when oh, we was first it? met too. Well, the, yeah, I was going to ask you. So, how how did How did you meet, and then how did you come to write this book together, The Junketeers?
3: We met, actually, on a press trip to Poland, and this was back in the aughts at some point. Um, It was a vodka trip, and uh, I just immediately recognized what a funny character she was, and Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed hanging around her um, in Warsaw and Krakow. And... One night we stayed up late at uh, the hotel where we were staying and um, had a, a nightcap and started to exchange short stories of some of the people that we'd traveled with and knew in common and they became um, just horror stories, you know, exchanging one after another, of the ones, what you were bringing up, <laughs> you know, pe- people who'd been real divas on trips or that we knew in common on the circuit in New York. And we realized that we had something there, that uh, it would make a good uh, collaboration for a writing project.
2: Yeah, well, I started reading the book. I can't wait to finish because it's it's really it's an exciting read and to get an inside look at these press trips. And it starts out with Well, this is the question. How much of the book is based on reality and or is it inspired by your trips? Because I think it starts out in Poland. Um right? that and, is the first and trip. And that was uh, your, yeah, and um there's
3: a grain of truth to all of it um, Most of it is based on Sherry's Experiences with press trips because I stopped taking them several years ago And um, Sherry has Taken so many of them and so she Just had a wealth of material and So um, a couple of the most Exciting chapters one where um, she Goes to Java To um, become the third wife of the the Sultan there which is it, it's It's just this cockamamie idea that she has <laughs> And my character has to go to rescue her Um I've never been to Java. and then there was another chapter that was really fun to work on where um, our characters went to a deserted island in Indone- in uh, wait, no Fiji. Um, and it was based on truth. It was based- Sherry went on a trip where she, it turned out to be a deserted island that was haunted by a, a, an evil tiki run by an alcoholic princess. Um, she had a hermaphrodite butler who was always uh, trying to hit her up for money. Um, that he needed to buy cigarettes, and it was just the most outrageous story I'd ever heard, and I thought this is going in the book, and so I feel like I've been to that place, <laughs>
2: but I haven't <laughs> well i I mean just from the first story and reading the characters, so the characters you have Marin, which mm-hmm. I, from mm-hmm. Marin, who mm-hmm. I believe is your character mm-hmm. based on your character, and the countess uh Jackie, mm-hmm. uh, because knowing you guys and reading it and and knowing a bit about your personalities i could see them in a little bit reflected in these characters my character is food obsessed
3: (laughs) (laughs) and sherry's character is uh always looking for the local talent in each uh location we go to Uh, meaning you know she's she's Uh pretty racy she's a a much more racy character than mine my character is a little more straight-laced and I, i try to learn from her she takes me under her wing and it has somewhat disastrous consequences because my character is just not as sophisticated or wise as her character is, so she just can't deal with some of the situations very well that she gets it, she gets herself into some
2: messes i can't wait to read the rest <laughs> so so people why don't we talk about what press trips are and how they how you get invited on these, and you said you're not doing them anymore mm-hmm. because they're well,
3: for a couple of reasons. Back in the odds, oh, I can't remember like mid the mid two thousands, I my career started to go better and I started to get so many writing assignments I really couldn't leave on a press trip anymore. Um when I started at NYC Go several years ago I was writing up to 20 restaurants a month for them in New York And I had to be in touch with my editors all the time I just, and, and with press trips, they're all consuming When you go away, you barely have time to check email And so I just couldn't go away on a press trip and work And so um, I stopped back then And then also when I started to do more writing for the New York Times They uh, forbid taking
2: comps So I, yeah
3: no That's in more. my past.
2: I hear you, but just and from reading it, I saw the first trip you took on, and you really wanted it, or the character really wanted a nap, and it was just you. As soon it's as you go, arrived, go. it was mm-hmm. go go go, mm-hmm. and you had a full itinerary. Mm-hmm. These trips are nonstop, and and a
3: lot of it is wonderful too. You just get to see and do mm-hmm. so many things that you would never normally get to do in real life, and. And uh, I just love the access that it, it gave me. I, you know, you always, if I went to a winery, I would meet, I would meet with the winemaker, the owner of the estate. And you, you just have a different experience than if you go there as a normal traveler. But to be invited on these trips, you have to have a, a track record. Um, not just anybody gets to go. You have to have published and, and, and have a place to also cover the story. So it's, I, I'm not sure how, if, the, if there's still a strict, Um, Back in in the day that I was doing them, uh, everyone wanted ink or something in print. They wouldn't accept an online placement for uh, their product, be it vodka, be it uh, wine region, be it uh, a hotel destination um but now i hear that um it's they they've realized that bloggers also have influence and and so it it online publications uh also are valid and and so those people get to go on them too. And so you just you just have to be able to show that it's worth
2: it to spend a bunch of money on you that you're going to come through with a story promoting whatever it is. Yeah, i was wondering you answered my question like what the expectations were mm-hmm. because they're they are putting you up and out on a. Well, I think
3: they they usually probably spend a few thousand per mm-hmm. journalist.
2: You know when it, when it comes to you know right. plane fare
3: and hotels and meals and and so yeah they're 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 pretty good at you know trying to make sure that you're going to produce something.
2: Yeah, because I was telling you this before the show as a PR person who's mostly worked with restaurants. I I invite press to a lot of events. I do dinners, but I've never had a client that has a budget or even a, a desire to. Organize a whole press trip. And so I, I, I understand a bit about, you know, inviting people and expectations, but I just think when you're, this is just such more of an extreme experience mm-hmm. and expense mm-hmm. for a client to. And when you invite people, out.
3: do you expect them to produce
2: something if they come well, to one of your dinners? I'm realistic about expectations, and I, I think I discuss it with my clients that being, bringing people in does not guarantee. It usually doesn't guarantee press, and it doesn't guarantee good press too. But it's the idea of bringing them in and having them share the experience, and hopefully something will come out of it. Whether it is a, a review, a uh, interview with the chef, a feature of a recipe, posting on social media, you want something to come of it. But I don't think it's guaranteed. Uh, especially now, it seems everyone's going to so many events and so many dinners, and there just aren't as many. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think ideally it would be nice everyone that came in wrote about it, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen. With a press trip, it's really expected right. to come through.
3: Yeah,
2: I would think so. I mean, is that your take with when you are invited by someone like me to dinners or...
3: I know that you would like something in return. I'm aware of that. <laughs> yeah. well, I know it's not just a free meal or a free drink. Yeah, you know, and and I can just do less and less of that now. So, um, but but yeah, I, I sympathize because you're doing a job. You have clients with expectations, and
2: yeah. yeah. And being, so a lot being of times, the middleman. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come right back. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network.
0: Red Pastures is the only farm in the United States that has its own USDA inspected red meat abattoir or slaughterhouse and its own USDA inspected poultry abattoir or slaughterhouse. We partner with Whole Foods to deliver our high quality meat and poultry from Miami, Florida all the way to Princeton, New Jersey. One family, one farm, five generations, 145 years full circle return to sustainable land stewardship and humane animal stockmanship. For more information, please visit our website, whiteoakpastures.com.
2: Back to all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Julie Besenin. She's the co-author of The Junketeers: Press Trip Thrills and Nightmares. So, Julie, what, with the book and with press trips you've been on, maybe could you take us through an example of like what it what it really does entail? With uh, maybe one of the memorable trips you've had, or something that inspired one of the trips. Is it just wineries, dinners? Like, how does it work? And are you with the same people everywhere you go, or do you have any downtime?
3: There's almost never downtime. Uh, yes, you're with the same people, um, morning, noon, and night on buses. Um, almost every trip involves um, visiting some sort of distillery or um, uh, winemaking operation or factory. Um uh, so you know, just kind of a joke that that becomes part of the trip. That i just, I just never thought I'd see the inside of so many factories and distilleries because they really want you know, to understand the process mm-hmm. of how things are made. Um, I'm trying to think. One of one of my favorite trips was to Finland. I'm, I'm I'm of Finnish heritage, and many years ago I got invited to uh, Finland when um, they were just trying to you know attract more attention. So it was it was through the Finnish tourist board. It wasn't that one wasn't to promote fin- or finished vodka or a, or a product it was just to promote the country and so uh we went dog sledding um uh just ate great nordic food it was at the beginning of the new nordic food movement um and so we were introduced to all kinds of young exciting chefs um, i've been foraging for mushrooms and lingonberries and so it's just very pleasurable and um uh, but yeah, just uh, when you get the itinerary before you go on a trip, right. and usually it will say, um, you know, lunch and then uh, free time, and then we'll meet up again for drinks in the hotel, and then we're going to go to dinner here, and then we're going to have drinks afterwards at this place, and that free time almost never happens. So you, I always had expectations That oh that's when I can look at my email That's when I can respond to people I need to respond to That's when I can call my husband And you know, almost always mm-hmm. you know, Things just expand you know, whatever, Wherever you go to, to tour or go to lunch It always takes longer Or you get caught in a traffic jam or something and So then all you can do is go back to your room basically And hurry and change clothes Or maybe brush your teeth and then you run out again So you have to have a lot of stamina for these trips
2: They're, they're not for wusses Yeah there was a comment in the book by I think uh Sherry's character about how she sleeps eight hours typically, but on press trips it's five,
3: yeah, yeah, you have to get <laughs> by in a lot less sleep and and uh and just have high energy because you're you're being and there's so much stimulation
2: though usually it it, it does help keep you awake, yeah, well, the question so last week I had on uh Pichet Ong. mm mm-hmm. on. I'm sure you've... Oh, not, sure. You know He's great. Yeah. I love he, Pichet. We had a really fun show. And I so I asked him to ask you a question. And he first kind of gave a, a tip, and we phrased it into a question. Because he he wanted to know... He thinks, you know, when you travel, you should do what the locals do as much as possible and embrace their culture. So the question was, are you, do you do what the locals do? And I'm thinking, well... When you're these trips are designed to kind of do what the locals are doing, but I guess, and you don't have any time to do Mm -hmm. things on your own. I Mm -hmm. mean, is that sort of how it goes? Yeah, it's
3: very hard to get away and do any of your own reporting because they really do like to keep the group together. And on some of the better press trips or the best press trips, they do. Try to um, show you how, where the locals go to eat or where the local watering holes are, and, and not just the places that are their partners. Or you know, because because I think a lot of times with press trips they pull together several sponsors because it is such an enormous expense. And because if, if American Airlines gives a discount on the tickets, it means you might have to go meet with American Airlines people, and you know watch a par- PowerPoint lecture about their new routes. Um so there you know, so you end up doing a lot of things like that where I you know, I might rather just I, I like to be a reporter, I like to go off and find my own stories. Mm-hmm. I'm very independent. And so it, it can be frustrating too when all of your time is spoken for and you're just being fed information and you know, you can't go off on your own and find you know and be with the locals that much. But, right. but I, I am a, a night owl. And so, what I, uh, I used too. to tend to do <laughs> is um, that would be the time that we would finally have some free time by midnight or something. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing left on the agenda. And then I would try to go to a local watering hole with some of the other people, uh, uh, the other night owls on the trip. And um, Sherry de was one of those night owls. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're
2: going on the three hour sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had three hours of sleep. Yes. Uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so with ex- So, this gets me back to my expectation question. So if you go on a trip and you have to meet with or you lovingly meet with American Airlines or you you get presented and you go to all these restaurants, then are you expected to write something about American Airlines or or is it? Well, I bet American Airlines would like that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, and sometimes it can just happen in such a way that if you're doing a travel story, if there's a box um, that you can include, just an info box, you can say American Airlines has flights. Um, from uh, JFK to Honolulu, you know, nonstop, starting at you know six hundred seventy nine dollars, you know, something like that. But I'm not going to, you know, go into a whole thing about American Airlines and a travel story. I have some integrity
2: so no <laughs> I, <laughs> I wasn't able, to but I
3: think American Airlines would like that. Yeah. Well, they they are going to like my
2: show. I'm yeah. plugging them here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Uh, well, what about? I mean, thrills, nightmares that come from this, from, that inspired the book. I mean, did anything ever, does any, Did anyone, has anyone ever left a press trip? Like, it was, they just, this isn't for me, and they went, they just jetted off, took a plane well, back?
3: never on anything that I, I experienced, um, but um, I have heard stories of um, people on a trip going AWOL and um, ending up in jail. Uh, you get sent home if you if, if you end up in jail <laughs> um, <laughs> I would think so yeah um, you know there I heard about someone once um, who went uh, a little nutty and had to also be sent home um, for some medical treatment and you know you just you hear stories about people that uh, can't take the intensity of it I think some, some it really can test you in a number of ways and and some people it's it's not good for them to be. Uh, On the schedule and getting four hours of sleep and being around the same people all day, every day and having all this information being right, um, you know, presented. And so um, it it, it can show some people at their best and some people at their worst.
2: I could see that. And I think, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. You're going on this trip that's paid for by someone else and you get to see the world i mean it seems sherry really Oh,
3: sherry has really seen mm -hmm. the world sherry has been to so many exotic places so many islands places i've never heard of yeah she's it's it's really amazing and she still is is traveling constantly i think she she is going to Rioja next and um, she's been to just about every wine region in the world and and uh You know, the great thing about it is that you get to stay in really nice hotels, you eat really well, you meet interesting people, Um, you know, and a lot of times journalists can't afford these trips on their own, and a lot of the travel magazines have folded or don't have budgets anymore. So I think it's it's a challenge for magazines and newspapers too to get people to take these trips and that they have to pay for themselves oftentimes because of different other different you know magazines and newspapers have ethics policies too where you can't <laughs> accept a press trip and then you know but then also don't have the budget. So, the, so the writer might just be pitching trips that he or she is taking anyway, and then maybe get a little bit of a budget. But I, I did a travel story once where I think the budget that the newspaper gave me was only one hundred and fifty dollars. You know, and and I was going there anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of journalists just can't afford to do that, so they have to take press trips if they want to see the world.
2: Yeah, I, I actually I've been traveling a lot on my own, and I, I pitched a story to Fathom just because. I was going anyway to Queenstown and New Zealand and Australia and I, I I know Pavia there and I was like, "What do you think maybe I could write a story for you and I ended up writing a story on it for her um, but that was I was going anyway mm-hmm. so yeah, that's the thing that, that was I, that's the travel stories
3: I do know if I'm going anyway mm-hmm. because they're just most of the places I work don't have budgets
2: yeah because i and and the, the travel writers I do know that go on trips they're they're usually writing for Travel and Leisure or Bon Appetit or people or you know that have the budget to send mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. and then they 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 come up with these huge articles. Very, mm-hmm. you know, thinking of David Farley who went to India for a while, like just on his own. Wrote yeah, a story. he's a great travel writer. Yeah, yeah he is. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I've never been on a press trip. We'll see if I ever. I don't know. I don't know if it's in my future, but I would certainly give it a try. They're fascinating. <laughs> no. About how long are they typically? Like a week?
3: Uh, typically a week, yeah, but I've, I, I used to go on ones that were, you know, um, three days or something So they can be shorter too, and probably the longest one I've ever been on was ten days Because most people just can't be gone that long when you're right. a working writer And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to get home and write yeah. you got to make some money, because you don't make any money while you're on these trips and for freelancers, right? You know, and we're you can't all, be I'm
2: always working. You can't be doing, as you said, you don't have time to be no doing work no. or anything else. Your focus—that's why you're there, right? To, so. Right. Oh,
3: it's right. Very you, give, you give them your full attention when you're there.
2: Well, it's very cool, and I can't wait to finish reading the book because I know there's so many more stories in there. And already, I've been—it's like I'm taking little notes on the side, but little tidbits and fun. There's Fun a lot story. of advice
3: in there. Yeah. There is good advice yeah. on, on 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 dating, all, <laughs> on dating, on, on men, on yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, food, travel, different parts of the world. Um, and we we were wondering what it, for a long time we weren't sure what to call it. Sherry came up with the title of the Junketeers, which I liked immediately. But then um, that uh, other people you know uh, disagreed, and we thought you know at one point we we're going to call it the Ones because with each uh, one of the trips there always is somebody there always difficult is. there's always somebody and and uh the joke is is if you're on a trip and there's not someone who's the one if everyone seems to be congenial and easygoing then it's Ready you, to you? Then yeah it's you. <laughs> <laughs> and in the in the junketeers at one point my character
2: is the one And that's a very difficult position to be in. I can't wait to finish reading it. (laughs) Awesome. All right, we're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back. We'll do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Julie Bessonin. She is the co-author of The Junketeers. And it's time for my speed round game. Are you ready? I'm ready. So pretty much I'm going to name two things, such as chocolate or vanilla. And you just pick your favorite. Or you pick your preference or whatever comes to mind. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, or cocktail? cocktail tasting menu or a la carte a la carte you're great at this quick small plates or large plates small plates tipping or all-inclusive charge tipping communal table or chef's counter chef's counter food wine or travel writing food wine or travel writing um, food press trips that are less than seven days or more less yeah i figured that's where you're going (laughs) carry on or checked luggage carry on how about a trip with young people old people or it doesn't matter young people that cracked me up at the beginning of the book yeah
3: uh, that's one of my my co-authors theories is you don't want old people on a trip (laughs) and uh for, for one thing, they could die. Well, that was that was where I was like... <laughs> yeah, so that's bad. Okay. But the other thing is, is uh, Sherry firmly believes that people should live in the moment, and she thinks old people live in the past. And so that's why she also likes to be around young people. And yeah, that cracked me
2: up. She cracks me up all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Okay, two more. Uh, cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? I'm a
3: Manhattanite. I love coming to Brooklyn, but I am a Manhattanite.
2: Cool, great. That was the game. Oh. So now let's talk some industry news. One one thing I noted this week, it was on Eater Chicago, the Trotter Project, nonprofit, is uh starting they're resurrecting Charlie Trotter's space and it's a nonprofit that's being started by one of the alum, or a few of the alumni, because um, Charlie Trotter passed away seven months ago. And I don't know if you know this, but I worked for him.
3: Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: I did back in 97, 98. So when I saw the news, I was shocked. I'm still shocked. But I, I read this, and I was very happy to see that this is what they're deciding to do. Because the restaurant is, uh, is it is, they were saying they might try and do like a James Beard house sort of experience or make it it's a townhouse. It has that feel of a James, the James Beard house. So they were thinking of making it in Chicago, like a gathering place and run this non-profit out of it. And I just thought it was a really nice thing to be oh, doing. Oh yeah,
3: he was a seminal figure, so that's wonderful.
2: Yeah, did you ever dine there? No. I regret to say I would never dined there
3: and I never met him
2: either. I was still shocked to see he died and I always hoped that I would get there and get But. Yeah, he was incredible, and he inspired so many people. And actually, most all these alumni that are involved, almost all of them have their own restaurant or working somewhere else in Chicago now or elsewhere. So you can go to one of their places.
3: <laughs> okay, that, that's how I'll, well, that, That's all. Pay tribute to him then.
2: Yeah, no, no. This this looks cool. They said they're gonna uh, they're giving back to the community. They're gonna have an indoor farm. They're gonna have some events. There's something called the Trotter from the Trotter project called Savor, which is September 4th. And it just just seemed like a nice idea to me. So Mm -hmm. I was excited to read that. Yeah. Okay, so another news topic is in the New York Times, the article, Getting a Good Table by Flicking an App, No Greasing a Palm, it was by Julia Moskin, Mm -hmm. because restaurant reservations has been a hot topic.
3: Mm -hmm. I read that story, it was really interesting, and it's so not the way I go out to eat. I almost never make reservations, and I usually just like to show up and sit and eat at the bar, and I I do have to eat at so many restaurants a month, Um, so it's a job for me to eat, Mm -hmm. even though I, I love to eat, there's nothing I like to do more. But if I'm also having to fight for reservations or, you know, and and it seems like every time I do look at open table, they have 530 or 1030, you know, if if it's a new restaurant that I want to eat at. And so a lot of times I just go and take my chances and sit at the bar. And and if something opens up, so it's yeah, it's not for me. It's for people who have expense accounts or for, you know. Because well, with some of them, there's going to be a charge, right?
2: Well, you know, I'm like you, and uh, even with my solo dining, that's typically what I do. I go by myself, I sit at the bar mm-hmm. as a walk-in, and you, especially when you're so, by yourself, you can usually get in, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I like doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think to your point with Open Table, and when you do go to a hot restaurant, and there isn't a good time slot, mm-hmm. it's only 5.30 or 10, I think like this new app coming that just came out, Resi... They're offering from restaurants, let's say, an 8 o'clock reservation at the hot restaurant. And you it's supposed to be like 10% of mm-hmm. what the charge would be per person. So it would be like $10 or $30 or based on the time of day. But So if you want to go, you spend $30 and then you can dine there at 8 o'clock.
3: I think there will be people who will do it, but it will not be me.
2: Yeah, well it's interesting to see. I think there will too. I just think it's it's been it's been a lot of talk. I mean, open table just got bought by Priceline mm-hmm. for two point six billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, but there's just been a lot of articles about About uh, restaurant reservations Yeah, and
3: there were several companies that were doing it So it'll be interesting to see which ones last too. Which ones have the best business model And what people are willing to pay for I don't know
2: Yeah, Well, I reached out to Ben Leventhal Who's one of the founders of Resi Uh I asked him to come on the show Ah. And he said he wanted to come on in September And at first I was thinking September's so far away And then I realized it's two months from now. <laughs> like, we're in June. So I'm excited he's going to come on. And I think maybe he want. To, he didn't tell me why, but I'm thinking, you know, they're in beta now. Maybe want, they want to see, you know, how it goes and how they adjust to it before he
3: mm-hmm.
2: starts talking more about it.
3: Yeah, they can work out the kinks maybe by then.
2: Right. Well, so we'll see about that. And then... Last yeah,
3: food is just such a thing now. You know, it's just so funny that people are willing to pay for these reservations now.
2: You're in a good... We're in a good industry.
3: Yeah, and I think (laughs) when I started, it wasn't such a thing.
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely become hotter and bigger, Mm -hmm. and everyone has an interest in food and is taking pictures of food and Mm -hmm. wants to go to the hot restaurants. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, when I'm walking down the street, I hear people talking about restaurants. You know, before, I used to hear more people talking about movies or...
2: Yeah, I was on the train music
3: and now everybody's talking about restaurants.
2: I was on the train the other day and I heard these people talking about how they had to go to Smorgasburg. You know, and I was like and they didn't they didn't look like industry people, but mm-hmm. it was like, "Oh, we have to go there." Like they had a friend visiting from out of town. Mhm. It's like Yeah, they okay. have
3: lists of restaurants and mm-hmm. shows that they take out of towners to. Yeah,
2: yeah. well. It's very cool. Mhm. Okay, and the the last article I had was on Grub Street. It had uh, how Starbucks announced that they're planning to fund college education for thousands of workers. And it was also um, on The Daily Show. I saw a little segment on Mm -hmm. it with Jon Stewart. They had on Howard Schultz talking about this. And I think it's the first American restaurant that is doing this, offering college tuition to their employees. Well, I read
3: a little bit more about this, and I think it's really a brilliant marketing move. Um, But one of the things I read was that um, to qualify, um, these uh, Starbucks employees have to complete 21 credits at Arizona State University online, which uh, means about seven courses before they're eligible, and those 21 credits would cost $10,000. and. Uh, the Starbucks reimbursement means that they're not eligible for other financial aid, uh-huh. and it's only for this specific online program. So I was wondering if, in a way, this means Starbucks has gone into business with Arizona State University. So I'm. Well, it sounded I'm, like that. Yeah, to I'm me just too. a little bit skeptical about this because I don't know how many Starbucks employees who work twenty hours a week have ten thousand dollars to spend before they got some sort of reimbursement. It's a nice right. idea, and yeah. I know that Starbucks does pay their employees, I think, better than other I think they're very employee and, friendly, yeah, and they, they try they, to f- give them... And they give health care mm-hmm. and stuff, so there there's certainly good things about it. But
2: um, Well, we'll see how it yeah. plays out. I mean, it was just announced, mm-hmm. and it's a huge expense, and I think you're right. It is a marketing tool for them mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But I think that's always what they've done. I mean, there's Starbucks everywhere now. They've been so smart with their marketing and mm-hmm. And expansion. Oh yeah, they
3: started that whole big coffee craze, didn't they? Yeah, so yes, they smart. did. <laughs> yeah, but they have a lot more competition now, so this is something that can get Howard Schultz right. on the talk shows again. So that that's good. It is a smart marketing move.
2: Yeah. Well. Cool. All right. So that was my industry news. So we're going to take one more break, and we're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Thank <music> you. On Heritage Radio Network, I'm your host Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Okay, so this past weekend, the weather here in New York City was gorgeous, and I hopped on a city bike and I took a ride down to Hudson Eats, which is at the new Brookfield Place in Battery Park City. And it was in the morning. It was uh, I, I, I was on my mission was to check out flaxseed bagels, which opened a second location there. The original, the original, it opened like a month ago. <laughs> the original is on Elizabeth Street.
3: And they are good bagels. Yeah. They are good bagels
2: and yeah. that I had read that the, the Elizabeth Street location, people were waiting hours <gasps> to get bagels. People are crazy. People are crazy. I, so I. I'm 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 crazy enough. I want to try it, but I got on the bike. I went down there. There was no line, and I, I had the their salmon signature sandwich, and on an everything bagel, and their cold pressed Stumptown coffee, and it was awesome. I mean, it's a bit pricey though. I spent over sixteen dollars on the bagel and coffee. I realized that was a lot. I think on. I
3: think that's the same sandwich I got at their Elizabeth Street location. It was maybe eleven dollars,
2: which is high for a yeah. bagel sandwich. Yeah. yeah, it was great. It was delicious. I, I don't. I, I think their bagel is is they're going for this Montreal Montreal style, which is a little, a little denser than yeah, New York dense, bagels. but
3: but not as. I've had them in Montreal and they're not as sweet as Montreal bagels, but they are denser than than normal and they're yeah. smaller. Um, they
2: are smaller. I think I read that they're trying to be a cross between a Montreal and a. American bagel mm-hmm.
3: no and I went to an, uh, in an off hour I didn't have to wait at all and, yeah. and it's a very good bagel but waiting hours for bagel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. in I New was, York
2: not up for that but this <laughs> was great and, and so this recently opened Hudson Eats and it's a European style marketplace and there's Mighty Quinn's Chopped Dos Toros, Umami Burger there's lots of places and it, there's I don't know have you been down, down I there? I have not no I beat you to it Figured maybe you went to a press event. <laughs> uh, well, there's it's it's very it's it's got lots of windows overlooking the Hudson, so it's a very lovely place to sit. Despite there was lots of babies and tourists there, <laughs> I was still had a lovely time. So if anyone wants to check it out, it's their website's blackseedbagels.com, and we we enjoyed. They're bagels. So oh, yeah, out. definitely.
3: I, w- I would love to eat more of them.
2: Cool. Okay, so we're, we're at the end of the show, but before, before we close, I would like to see, Julie, if you can ask a question for my guest next week. So I'm having on a spice expert. It is Lior Lev Ser... Cars. I'm hoping that's how you say his name. Um, he is this amazing spice guru. He used to work for Danielle. and he, Now he has a, a little shop that he s- sells biscuits and, and spices. Do you, do you know him? I don't. Uh, he's cool. I, I looked him up, though, cool. when you told oh, me he was okay. going to be here next guest. Yeah. yeah, he looks
3: great. So what should I ask him? I would like to know if there is a difference in flavor with biodynamic and organic spices as, as opposed to conventional
2: spices. That is like a serious question. I I'm very it.
3: into biodynamics, especially lately. And I know that, you know, some companies like I think Van Leeuwen ice cream, they use uh, some biodynamic spices in their uh, flavors. And and uh, I just think it's, it's, it's an interesting movement. And so I want to know if there's a difference in flavor.
2: Oh, I'm very curious, too. And that is not something I was planning to ask him. So <laughs> no, thank you. you <laughs> awesome. Well. Thank you so much Julie for coming out here today. Really my pleasure. It's been fun chatting with you about your book, you're the co-author of The Junketeers. And anyone who wants to check it check it out. You can download it. It's an ebook.
3: Yes it is. Okay. And, and you don't need a Kindle.
2: You don't need a Kindle. No,
3: it's on Amazon and I think it makes it look like you need to buy a Kindle, but you do not need a Kindle to download it. You uh-huh. can download it on any electronic
2: device. Got it. I downloaded it and I'm using it on my iPad through Kindle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's 2.99. It's, it's it a looks steal. better if
3: it's on a Kindle. Yeah, 2.99. We want everyone to be able to read it.
2: Yeah. So and
3: we have a website too, thejunketeers.com that has more
2: information. Yes. So people, please check that out. It's a fascinating read. Press trip thrills and nightmares. Thank you. And um, and also, I saw you're you're on uh, Twitter junketeers NYC. We just
3: started that page, and we need to start tweeting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I tweeted. I tweeted you guys, and oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on, on Twitter at AllIndustry, at Sherry Bayer and at Bayer PR. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com.
3: We will follow you.
2: Awesome, awesome. We'll be social media friends. Okay, so anyone who's missed this. If you miss any of our live broadcasts, you can find us archived on heritageradionetwork.org. We're also on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my engineer, Liz. Thanks to Julie Bessonin, who joined me today. And to everyone out there listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 with another live show. I hope you'll tune in that. Okay, bye.